4: Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Thought You Knew, the podcast where we talk about survivor players that we think may be underrated, underappreciated, or just misunderstood. Each episode, we'll try to answer a question that's designed to make us challenge our preconceived notions about a famous survivor contestant. And of course, there are no right answers. This is just a way for us to talk about our favorite show. I'm your co host, Nigel Bocanegra, and as always, I am joined by my partner, Kevin McLean. Yes, and I'm really
5: excited for today's episode because you know when we pitched this idea to Rob and like suggested all these different characters and legends uh, to talk about, and you could have like uh, an opportunity to to challenge like these notions in the discourse that've lived on for years. You know, Susie was definitely the least flashy person on that list, but that was the person Rob was the most excited to hear about because he was like, no one ever talks about Susie, and I'm like, well. Buckle up, because I can talk about Susie for a while. So I'm really excited, um, and I think we can kind of like just start jumping into it. Susie Smith's performance in Survivor Gabon shocked viewers at multiple turns. From being selected early on in the Tribe Pick'em, to changing the game's trajectory by booting Marcus, to being only one vote shy of winning the entire season, Susie Smith was a significant factor in both the story and strategy of one of Survivor's messiest seasons. Far before the diversity initiatives of modern survivor, Susie was only the second Latina to ever make it to the finals, but her edit was severely minimized and her placement was quite often criticized as being undeserving. But this is a person that has won more immunity challenges than James Clement, won more jury votes than Steven Fishback, and was on the correct side of every (laughs) single vote. So why did jurors fans and production alike dismiss this quiet legend? well, You thought you knew Susie Smith? Well, we hope we really do. And today we'll be asking the question,
4: was Susie Smith robbed? Today we are joined by a guest who, just like Kevin and myself, is also a Gabon fanatic. Please welcome Maggie Morgan. Maggie, how are you?
2: Hi, guys. I'm doing great. Uh, You know, I feel like I'm the only person other than you two on the RHAP network who is brave enough to talk about Gabon (laughs) twice here. (laughs) Like, that's how you know I'm committed. I'm going to do hours-long podcasts about Gabon twice. So, you know, I'm great. I'm excited to talk about our subject today. I have a lot of opinions. I'm excited. I loved the podcast that you guys did with Colleen about Colleen with Rob. Um, I'm really excited to get to be a part of the series. And um, I love this question of was Susie robbed because I have feelings.
5: Yeah, I have so many feelings. And like, I just feel like Gabon is a season, you know, maybe we're the only ones who want to talk about it so much, but Gabon is a season that really holds up on rewatch. I feel like it gets better every time you watch it in a way that there's a lot of really popular seasons of Survivor that don't do that at all. I think quite often it only works the first time, but Gabon, there's so many little pieces and um, little gems. And I feel like Susie Smith's actually kind of one of them, despite being a very unflashy person
4: herself. (laughs) And, you know, I love Gabon because it's, in my opinion, so character-focused. I think, you know, there are plenty of seasons out there that have uh, really innovative, flashy, exciting gameplay. And I think commentary you hear often about Gabon is that it's not good gameplay. Ultimately, I don't care if it's good gameplay or not. I'm here to be entertained. That's what I think allows the season to be truly rewatchable, even though you know what strategic moves may be coming. And I think that Gabon really delivers on all of the, entertainment factor from from
5: start to finish i think so and and maggie i'm actually very interested since you are a gabon fan And i think for a lot of people they kind of write gabon off what do you think is the story of gabon actually like how do you think about like what is like why is it worth watching even
2: um okay so i feel like i said this before we started like if you are watching Survivor because you want to watch like a heroic superhero, like you want to watch like the, the protagonist like win, then this is not the season for you. But if you're somebody who likes camp, who has a great sense of humor, who, you know, perhaps really wants to go see that new horror film, Megan you know, who enjoys the real housewives. Like if that's your type of reality television, like Gabon has everything. And, you know, Gabon to me is very, it's very much, I, when I watch reality TV, I don't necessarily want to watch somebody that I like, am like, oh yeah, this person is just like my best friend. Like those people are fun. But the people that I derive the most joy from on reality TV are when I'm watching and all I can think of is where on earth did casting find these people? Like, where are they from? What corner of the world did they get plucked from to come on my screen? Because I've never seen anyone who actually acts like this in real life. Like, Coach is a great example. When Coach came on my screen in Token Cheats, I was like, this is now we're cooking with gas. (laughs) This is what I want. And I mean, this season has it all that you have Sugar, who is the driving force of strategy on Gabon. Lover or hater, she is the one who is driving the season fully. Um, You have Crystal Cox, one of my favorite Survivor players of all time, the funniest, unintentionally funny player that there has ever been. Susie, who is the most regular person you (laughs) on your television screen to the point where you're like, why is she here? What's what's going on? How did she make it through casting? Like, what what did they talk about with her? And yet. There she is, just being completely regular out on Earth's Last Eden. Like it's a it's so good. It's 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 just so good.
5: Yeah, I, I love that. And I've always described Gabon as like, it's like if if mad TV made Survivor, you know, like it's yes. like it's like tropes mm-hmm. and like characters, and they're just so exciting and dynamic and um uh opinionated and vindictive. I mean, these are people who really feel every single like emotion Mm -hmm. and i just i just like i'm here for the roller coaster that is and i think there's there's power shifts there are uh underdogs there's like incredible challenge performances innovative strategy i think it has it all but i think maybe it's just not in the package most people are used to consuming survivor but it's like sometimes you just want something a little bit more fun and i think a bone is like one of the most fun seasons of all time and Um, if if you, if you, if you like fun, if you love irony, if you love camp, then I think Gabon is something that you should watch uh, every year because
4: it's, it's, it's truly perfect. So Maggie, our question today, you know, is talking about whether or not Susie is robbed. Do you tend to like the robbed contestants on Survivor?
2: So I think that in order to talk about this, we have to define what being robbed is. And I have a lot of feelings about what it is to be robbed. And I think that there's three types of people that you would consider robbed. I think the only people that I personally, me as Maggie, you can have a different opinion than me. (laughs) I, I welcome it. Me as Maggie, the only person that I truly feel like is robbed on survivor is somebody who's taken out before they make it to tribal council in a way that was grossly unfair to them. So Sari Fields is a great example of this. Like she got robbed three of the four times she played. I'd say um, four. <laughs> sure. Every, heroes villains, every but time. She, she got voted yeah, out know. fair and square on heroes villains though, you know, but like, you know, the advantage get in, she has, it has to make this fire in Panama. This is the first time they're doing that. She has to, um, and then um, obviously they were supposed to have the final three in Micronesia. Somebody even like Jesse, who goes out this past season on a fire making challenge, which is this new thing in the new ish, you know, concept in the game. That's not what Survivor was built on, which is everybody voting each other out. It's like you go home from a challenge performance. Those are the people that I personally consider robbed. Then you have the people who sit in front of a jury, and they you feel like they are playing a game that is worthy of winning. People like Parvati and Heroes Villains. You know, she played a game that I personally think was absolutely worth a title. She did not get the title because other people voted for somebody else. I personally don't consider that robbed because people were able to vote for her, which is a major function of the game at the end. And she was not able to pull it out. Then you have people like Susie, who you consider, who a lot of people consider robbed, who a lot of people would not say played a winning, like was playing a game of Survivor that like is overall considered to be a winning game. But she was probably the best player out of those final three contestants. Um, So you're like, well, she played the best out of these three people. Even if the game wasn't amazing, she's robbed. The thing that I have to say about that is that we've seen players like that, players in that Susie position, have a social game that carries them through to the win. I actually feel like a great counterpart for Susie is somebody like Sandra, somebody like Erica from 41, somebody whose game was very unflashy was very much a very passive game. Sort of like you make one move and then sort of sit back, let other people play around you, you know, weasel your way to the end. But those people had the social game to back up their win. They had the social capital to get people to vote for them to win. Susie was a player who almost was there, but was not able to pull out the win by a vote from a jury of her peers, which is why I do not consider Susie to be robbed.
5: Yes, and I think that's like a fair assessment. I kind of like the way that you broke it down between these different levels Mm -hmm. of being robbed. Like, I think it's like Susie can be talked about being robbed because I think for some, you know, observers, and me being one Mm -hmm. of them, I would have voted for Susie because I felt like she was the most self-interested player in the final three when you have Sugar who didn't care about winning and Bob who said he didn't outwit, outplay or outlast really any of them. It's Mm -hmm. hard for me not to vote for anyone else. So it's like, in many ways, in my heart, Susie's robbed, but maybe she's like, she was like picked. Pickpocketed. You know, she wasn't robbed. Mm-hmm. She was, she mm-hmm. was like, she was um inconvenienced. You know, like she, had, she had, it's unfortunate, but as a game player, I don't think Susie was robbed because I think she was willing to go to the end with Maddie, who she would have lost to by a bigger margin. Right. So, like, mm-hmm. it's not as if Susie was this like incredible player. So, I don't know if I'd say Susie was robbed as much as I do think she's like a robbed goddess, which is a technically a different subset of what it means uh-huh. to be robbed. Right. And I think this is a term that came popular on Survivor Sucks, but like, it's usually like a late game female contestants that um you know have like a, a very strong fan base even if it's like a, a small one but very vocal and um to me like Susie was really robbed of like a reception of an edit of an of of an of analysis because they sure. really gave her such little footage and so to me like while Susie was not robbed of the of a win I think she was robbed of like if there's a world where we because I believe every single winner deserves their win, I think that's the whole like kind of concept of survivor. I can't really deny that, even mm-hmm. if I wouldn't have voted for them. Mm-hmm. But like if it, we know there's a world where people talk about like X, y, and Z were robbed, I think Suzy should probably talk to more about in that same camp of people than she is. and I think a reason why that doesn't often happen is because people, didn't have a lot to latch onto with Susie. But I think if you kind of sift through the footage, you really want to kind of talk it out and see all the other factors that played along in the Gabon experience and Susie's trajectory. I think it's, it's the most exciting timeline to live in is the one that where you can kind of like buy in and give Susie the benefit of the doubt and think of her as Rob. So she's like, it's like,
4: I I really, I find her just very interesting. Maggie, I really like the three categories that you kind of Mm -hmm. laid out for us as to what can, qualify someone as robbed. I would like to introduce a fourth category.
0: that's mostly
4: centered around delusion where it's, you know, awareness that like, I I don't think that people will look at this person as robbed, but they were robbed to me (laughs) because, you know, (laughs) deep in your heart, it's like, I cannot accept that this person was not you know, given their due, even though all of the evidence in front of you yeah. is really telling you that you are wrong, it's like they're mm-hmm. they're robbed in my heart. Yeah. Only. Do you, Maggie? Do you have anyone that's like that? Like a pre-merger
5: that that you think of? Like, oh, they were not robbed by any real metric, but to me, they will always be robbed. Is there anyone that comes oh. to your mind?
2: Oh, there's gosh. so many people. I know. You know, no, because when I was thinking this through today, I was thinking like, okay, who do I really consider to be robbed? I take. I think that my approach to watching Survivor, because I'm such a big brother girl, I think that my approach to watching Survivor is perhaps different than a lot of people who watch it because I really feel like if you, like there, there is more than one way to win Survivor, obviously. Um, but I feel like if you are going to be, the, the strongest strategy to win Survivor is passive gameplay that most of the time is going to get you the win on Survivor just by game mechanics. But passive gameplay does not lend itself to great television presence. And it does not lend itself to, um, honestly, sometimes great final tribal performance, which is why a lot of people who are passive game players, who people consider to be robbed goddesses, do not win the game. But then you have people like Sandra, people like Michelle, who play passively, but they are so dynamic. They are great, so great socially that the people watching are like, oh my God, this person is amazing. And the people out there are like, oh my God, this person is amazing. And I think that for me, like the people who I consider to be robbed are people like Sari, you know, people like Jesse, people like Michelle on Fiji who just got totally twist screwed. Like these are people who played perfectly and then something completely out of their control came in and swooped in and was like, no, you're out of here. Those are the people that I really consider to be robbed.
5: Yeah. You're you're very selective, it seems like, with 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 I robbed, am. which is very different than how Twitter quite often engages with the word robbed. It's like everyone totally. there's always at least five people robbed every single uh, year, and it's always Justine.
4: You know, it's always like it's always someone <laughs> who <laughs>
5: goes out second or something. A
4: Pre-merger that you can perfectly explain why they went home. It's like, ugh, they were robbed, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, but, but that then someone. Fun. It's someone, though, like, I think somebody like Omer is a really great example of this from 42, where, like, I think a lot of people would say Omer was robbed. You know, Omer was the best player of the season. Omer was robbed. But Omer got removed from the game fair and square with normal game mechanics by the person who won the game. So by that, like, I don't think Omer was robbed. I think Omer was outplayed. You know, and I, I do think, like, that is a big thing for me. Um, most of the people who I think are robbed are, you know, removed from the game by something out of their control. And I, I do really feel like if you make it to the end and the jury does not vote for you, like that is since the very first season of survivor, that's the only thing you had to do is get the jury to vote for you whatever way you do it, you know? Um, So we can talk through, you know, the reasons that people get robbed, which I do think are very, er, the reasons why people don't win or are considered robbed, which I do think are very nuanced and have a lot to do with, you know, social dynamics and maybe the way that people see people in the world and in general. But I think that overall, I would, I'm going to stay selective and say my only true robbed player on Survivor is Seri Fields.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like a, uh, that's, that's a vision I want. I also tend to like lean on is like there really not that many people Mm -hmm. who are robbed, but I will, you know, stick my neck out there and say that I do think Susie was really, um, if you're someone who uses the word robbed frequently, I feel like Susie should be more in your vocabulary just because it's like, well, if, if you think Justine was robbed, then I think you should think Susie was robbed. <laughs> like, if that's like, the barometer you're using, you know, like, why not, Susie? I think, like, on paper, she has, like, a case. I don't think she's particularly good at telling it. I don't think the producers are particularly good at telling it. But I think that's also kind of the the fun in, in, in being part of a community that gets to dissect and analyze and critique um, the footage that's being given to us and the stories that are being given to us.
2: Yeah. And you know, it's so funny when I watched Gabon for the first time, I I watched Survivor 1 through 20, all in order. And I watched Gabon and we were at the finale and I watched all of the seasons unspoiled. Like I went into every finale, not knowing who won. And I was watching the finale and I texted my friend and said, Oh my God is Susie about to win the season? Like, are you kidding me? Because the story is just so under edited. The story is so, and the I think that the problem for Susie is that she makes her move early, you know, like right at the merge, you know, when they they they've split off into those two tribes, she's part of the people who votes out Marcus, she flips and then she rides it out, right? And then she plays passively, which if you're looking at regular survivor game mechanics, that's the way to do it. The problem is she pissed off this very entitled alliance who <laughs> really felt super strongly that they were the good guys and the other people were the bad guys. And she didn't have the social dynamics to figure out how to flip it back the other way. Um, so, yeah, yeah and, I mean- and go ahead. No, I, well,
5: I, I think what you're saying is like, for a lot of people it was very surprising because I did not watch Survivor Gabon's finale live. It was like, it, so after Crystal Gox got voted off, I go, I had I need to take a break. I, I, can't, mm-hmm. I can't handle being hurt again because I was so in the tank for Crystal. And so I didn't watch the finale. I just, you know, I think it, I had a swim meet or something the day that it occurred. Mm-hmm. But I remember at lunch the next day, someone was telling me what happened and they go, and Susie, like Bob got four votes and Susie got three. And I go, Susie got three votes. Oh, legend. <laughs> like that came out of my mouth. I go, I would have voted for her and I just like as soon as I think Crystal and Kenny because I really as much as I think people also give Sugar a lot of credit for driving the game. I've always been more in the Crystal Kenny camp of that. And I think Susie's such a, a like a Crystal Kenny like warrior and like their insert into the final three. I mean, Susie's the one that kind of blows up Sugar's dream final three in a way by like depriving her of her end game goal which i is like to me another check like Susie exists to like wreak havoc on all these other people who i think are a bit entitled like she like the onions are are you know want her to accept her position in the game and just lie down Mm -hmm. and she Mm -hmm. unravels them she turns on crystal and kenny when she sees the tide going against them and then she uh by winning immunity pushes back against uh Sugar's uh preferred Final Three. So it's like, I think it's she's such an interesting figure, despite not being the most like interesting like person. And I think mm-hmm. maybe to like what Maggie was saying earlier, you know, I can't sit here and say that uh Susie Smith was some incredible, you know, game player or even a very compelling character, but I think she's an interesting survivor figure because like mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, Susie should have never been put on Survivor, right? Like she's not particularly <laughs> Charismatic or athletic or introspective or wise or, or like, or any of these things. She's kind of just like a mm-hmm. nice, lady. she's like a neat lady. You know, she's like a nice mm-hmm. mom who's like, kind of lame. Like, she's kind of maybe boring to like the people around her uh-huh. that only enjoy her company. But she went on Survivor. She gets on despite having really no business being there, gets all the way to the final three, is one vote away from winning. And that's iconic behavior. I don't care what you say. Like that, that, that that's, that's ridiculous to me. And I love the fact that someone like Susie Smith could almost win Survivor. I think a lot of people use that as a knock against Gabon, but I love the idea that Susie could win Survivor. Cause I love the idea that anyone could win Survivor because I, mm-hmm. I I'm really kind of, you know, committed to this core concept of the show, which is that, you know, you take all these different people from different walks of life and you know, as long as they survive the elements and each other, they could potentially succeed. And, um, I think Susie kind of like really resonates with me in so many ways, despite being a person who is kind of the opposite and the, almost the antithesis of a character I would generally enjoy. So I think there's a lot to go there. But um, uh,
4: where do we go next on the Susie journey, Nige? Well, for people who maybe have not seen Gabon recently or, you know, I think a, a fair point to make, maybe Susie did not catch their attention in their first watch through. <laughs> uh, Kevin, do you have some quick, baseball facts on the baseball card uh to share about yes. Susie to refresh people's memory
5: yes and the intro kind of covered a lot of these things because i do think most of Susie's accomplishments can be set on literally on the back of a baseball card uh because they don't give her a whole lot Susie smith 47 years old from charles city iowa the runner-up of survivor Gabon. she's oh God, notable of course for- she
2: was from iowa queen right i'm obsessed i know yeah Mm-hmm.
5: it's like she's like a midwestern chatterbox that gets no edit uh-huh. like hap- it's just so fascinating I know. to me she wins mm-hmm. the first and last immunity challenge she uh you know is known for kind of flipping the game in uh and taking out the front runner in marcus um i mean she's kind of the reason why we get that iconic gif of maddie and Susie. Mm-hmm. And, sorry maddie and sugar and corinne
4: because of her game decisions i just i want to quickly interrupt and say you know as someone who joined the fandom you know much later i remember when uh i was watching gabon for the first time and i get to that scene and you start to have the reactions i just pause and i was like oh, it's from the gif i i know, <laughs> i i've seen this before yeah. how excited yeah. uh-huh. and,
5: and i think Susie did that <laughs> anything that she slightly touches i'm like and that was her even if it was not intentional um mm-hmm. And, you know, she gets three votes to win. And had she won and beat Bob, she would be the oldest player to ever win Survivor. So I think there is something really kind of interesting about Susie on paper, despite not having the most interesting story. But I think there's also a huge question about like, well, why didn't she get a better story? Because I think this, on paper, this actually is kind of captivating and like we couldn't weave something in. So I think there's a lot to do with that. But I think there's, Only so many Susie moments to talk about, even though I could probably Mm -hmm. think of 50 off the top of my head. But Maggie, is there a Susie moment or thing that kind of comes to your mind when you hear her name?
2: Oh, yes. So one of my favorite moments in Survivor Gabon in general is when they're at the auction and Susie spends all her money on a bath. And she's like, (laughs) I'm getting in the bath. Woo! And she gets in the bathtub And she stays in the bathtub. And I mean, in Gabon, they got filthy. Like all their clothes were filthy brown, the exact same color of brown, all of them by the end. And Susie showed up wearing a hot pink shirt. And by the end, it was brown. Like they were so (laughs) filthy out there. She gets in the bath for maybe 35 seconds. And then she's like, no, too hot. Uh, it's, it's too hot in this bath. And everybody's like, Susie, are you crazy? You just spent $500 on this bath. You're not going to sit in there the whole time. And she was like, mm, too hot. And, and she got out and she sat in a little towel with suds on her shoulder for the rest of the uh, time, not even taking her bath that she paid $500 for. And that to me is the epitome of Susie on Survivor.
4: And again, if you can enjoy camp, you can really enjoy mm-hmm. this moment.
5: On your happy price,
0: price line. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place
1: you've gotten lucky? Lucky? Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: I'm, you know, my favorite thing about Susie is that I feel like because she has like a unique, like you know, she's one, like I said in the intro, she's one more immunity challenges, individual immunity than James Clement and more jury votes than Stephen Fishback. Two people who are respected in their specific kind of like areas on Survivor. something I always like to remind myself is that Susie, you know, won the fire making challenge at the final nine. And so I like to think she would have won every single fire making challenge at the final four in the new format. It's like y'all couldn't even handle Susie. If she was at winners of war, she would have beat all of you. Like, it's like you get to kind Mm -hmm. of like create this whole fantasy world of, of Susie, a pretty like benign person. Um, uh, being good at like some of these specific skills and uh, maybe the actual moment I, I I'm really coming to, that's coming to my mind right now is in the tribe pick early on. I think this tells you a lot about Susie's edit as a character is that she gets picked really early, you know, uh, Jillian as, as, is a tribe elder. So she picks crystal, a natural, like pick as a, as like an athletic strong woman. And then crystal picks Susie and we immediately hear Charlie go, uh, Oh, start so playing stupid survivor! Don't you want to win immunity challenges? Like clearly, she's unathletic. Clearly, she can't like do a whole lot. And guess who goes home when Susie wins immunity at the final nine? Charlie does, right? Like so. To me, there's like a poetic justice that occurs. And um I think really the the cool moment is, uh, you know, Susie gets called really early, and it kind of shocks a lot of people. And then Susie, when she gets called, she goes, "Knew it." <laughs> she's like she's like so confident it's like why are you so confident that you wouldn't pick like third out of all these people you heard all of their professions all of their backgrounds mm. and you're like i knew i was going to be picked she's just there's something so interesting about someone like that to me what about
4: you nige well i think that that was definitely my favorite moment of Susie, of just her so confidently walking forward being like oh yeah i knew it when like everything about her edit is everyone underestimating her or undervaluing her and for her to walk forward with like such confidence. Because, you know, I I think that when Charlie says, oh, are we playing stupid survivor now? I do think that like there is some, you know, preconceived idea of who you quote should be picking in that moment. Right. A lot of people will notice that in uh, the pre-merge, women tend to be voted out a lot more frequently because there is an idea that you want to value strength and they perceive women as weaker on average right so for her to be so confident in that moment saying like oh i knew i would be picked third i just thought it was so much fun to uh to see that and and i think it does set you up for this person who's just kind of an enigma uh, across
2: yeah the i mean i think it illuminates she has no social awareness like yeah. what and- what do you mean like you knew you were gonna be picked you are like one of the Oldest women out there, like I would have assumed I having a social awareness that I would be picked last. And then she goes on to lose in final tribal because of her lack of social awareness. I just feel like it's it's all very full circle with with our girl Sue's.
4: But, you know, she she joins the team with Jillian and um, Crystal. Crystal. And so maybe she's just like, yeah, they're picking ladies. Yeah, I knew moms. I would be the next they're all, one. They're <laughs> all moms. And she gets
5: picked way ahead of Charlie and Corinne. And she outlasts them both in the game, obviously, as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, the, quite often we're told that Susie's bad at challenges. Like, or, because of her appearance, uh, Charlie's like, oh, don't you want to win immunity? She beats him. Uh, Corinne later, you know, the scene we get all a lot is that, you know, Susie like insults her by saying that she does more around camp than her. And that like at tribal council, she kind of doubles down and goes, well, I think I have more upper body strength than Corinne and also beats Corinne at challenges, you know, like is stronger than Corinne and technically, but like even I, I think like to have such a negative impression about Susie kind of really relies a lot about implicit bias in my opinion, because it's an assumption that like, what does it mean to say that Susie should not have been picked or like, what does that really mean? Because it's like only specific types of people should be picked. And those people have certain values and attributes that we care about. I always found it really telling because this is Charlie again. And I see, think the, the the onions Alliance is like the epitome of like corporate yuppie elitism, which is kind of fun. And I love to see them kind of be shooken up by someone like Susie of all people. But um, there's a moment when after Marcus goes and they all go back to camp, Charlie's talking to Corinne, he goes, Oh, Ace, Dan, Marcus, they're getting rid of all the power players. And I'm like, Dan was not a power player. He was a, he was like on his own. He had nothing. But like, you think he's a power player because he's like a tall, strong, athletic, educated man. And Susie doesn't fit any of those descriptions. And so it's like, I think quite often people have pigeonholed Susie into a specific role that she does not exactly, she, because she's not very socially aware or the most astute, she quite often doesn't realize she is pushing back on a lot of people's preconceived notions. And someone who's doing that uh, you know, is, is probably not going to do very well in Survivor, anyways. But I kind of love and hate the edit of Gabon at times because we're kind of played off to be like Corinne and Charlie are all right in those moments that Susie is the fool. Yes. But like Susie actually uh, yes. out, outlasts them. She does better than them, but we are not told that. Like Bob is constantly being told he is the diamond in the rough, like when he gets picked very late in the second pick-um when they all rank mm-hmm. each other. But none of that is ever given to Susie, despite literally being underestimated at every turn flipping the game at you know at key intervals and i just think it's very interesting that bob gets that but suzy doesn't i think that has a lot to do with of course that bob is the winner and Susie's the runner-up and
4: you have to tell why Susie lost so mm-hmm. some early thoughts so uh you know now i think we want to spend a little time speaking about the or i guess trying to understand the current consensus like what the general fan base thinks about Susie, and <laughs> as always wait. Kevin, I know you've done a little bit of internet research yes. to help prepare us. Yes. So I searched the web to, and I searched Susie Smith multiple times. And
5: let me tell you, Susie Smith of Gabon is not the only Susie Smith out there. So sometimes you've got to pull through articles that are really not relevant uh, at mm-hmm. all. But um, looking at this research, some of the exhibits, some of the things I've noticed. First, she is a meme queen. Uh, Susie Smith is a meme queen because if you search her on Reddit, here are some of the, art- the, like, the types of uh, 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 posts. posts that you'll see. With 122 upvotes, Susie Smith holds the record for most individual immunities of any Latina on Survivor, um, which is like, again, random and surprising to most people. Um, mm. Underreported fact, Susie Smith has a perfect voting record. 98 upvotes. Um uh, another one here. Reminder that this losing finalist received more votes than Russell did in two final tribal councils combined. You click on it, and of course, it's Susie Smith, right? So, like, Susie's mm-hmm. kind of almost like the specter of the under-edited character, right, and in the, in the consciousness of people who really like her, the um, uh, disrespected finalist, the... Uh, UTR person that kind of pops up randomly kind of like Natalie Bolton does as well like she's very under the radar and then has these Mm -hmm. big spurts but they're very minimal and so I just think there's like Mm -hmm. she kind of stands as a figure in that Uh, Maggie is this surprising to you do you feel like you were kind of were you aware that she was kind of like a almost like a cult favorite
2: perhaps of course that's like like I said if you enjoy camp you get Susie like I mean this meme of it like you're saying like this person has this amazing record and then you see it's Susie. Cause it's like so underwhelming on the surface. <laughs> right. It's like wait, this person who I think had four confessionals the whole season who didn't even take her bath. And like, what, like, wait, what do you mean she has all of these accomplishments? But like, that's just, you know, and the person who had final tribal council said she tried hard. Like, what, what do you mean? She's got the most individual immunity wins. But it, it's just, it's, I, it's, it's very poetic for the season she was on, you know? And I think that it also has to do with the, you know, Gabon, the characters who really pop in Gabon in our, to- we as the audience are told are the like capable characters, are the Charlies and the Corins, right? And by Corinne, Corinne goes on this, the other moment of Susie that I remember, Susie wasn't even in it. It was Corinne going on her, rant about how Susie is the the B word. And um, like, if you're an audience member at home and you're like, yeah, Corinne's one of the people on this season with sense, like that's what you're going to think. You're going to think that Susie's lazy around camp because this is all through Corinne's, you know, point of view, Susie's lazy around camp. She does, she's bad at challenges. She's a total bitch, you know, sorry, I don't know if I should swear, but those (laughs) are Corinne's words um, in the iconic confessional. And um, so I think that of course you're going to undervalue her that combined with like little to no confessionals, very little screen time. Like, of course, you're going to undervalue this person. So when you see on paper the things that she accomplished, it's it's hilarious. It's it's perfect. Yeah. It's so ironic.
4: Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that has made Susie endure as someone that you talk about from. Gabon, because there are finalists across the history of Survivor that I don't think actually get even as much attention as Susie does. Uh, Kim Johnson from Africa, I think is an example, but yeah, it, it's interesting because Susie, like you're saying, Maggie, I think on paper, you can point to like specific things of like why she should be getting attention or, or uh, more of a focus from the edit, but. The way that she communicates, I just don't think is um, the most captivating from like the confessionals Mm -hmm. or what the show finds to be most interesting. But because she's a finalist who loses by one vote, they have to tell her story. And what I think is really interesting is to consider what would Gabon look like if Susie wins by one vote? Let's say that, you know, you have Randy decide in that moment, he's he's not upset about the cookies or whatever and does vote for Susie. I think that the whole season is told in a very different way. You are probably not focusing as much on the confessionals from the onions that are hyping themselves up, that are like putting Susie down. You're maybe picking just a couple of words from a Marcus confessional that make her happen to look better and only including that and I think you know the audience would then have a completely different view of Susie but she's almost like such a blank canvas for the editors that it's like very easy for them to not lift her up. yeah Mm -hmm. and then
5: like you get to now use her to slam any finalists you didn't think deserved to be there Right. So let's say you hate Xander because Xander was actually had, a, I think, a fairly decent edit and had a lot of voracious fans. And so, like, if you want to be like, you think Xander was good, Susie got three more jury votes than him. You know, like you can mm. you can use Susie as like a really as a, as a reference point so easily. And I think that's kind of like part of the charm of Susie. And I think also maybe the frustration for people who don't seem to be this big fans of hers. Um, did you did you want to kind of dive into this? What would
4: Gabon be if Susie was the winner, like the story or? I mean, I, I just think that you are going to, you, you have the moments of her talking about needing to put her game ahead, right? Like when she's swapped and it's, uh, Crystal, Kenny, Marcus, and, Maddie? um, and Maddie. Oh, Mark. So you're talking about the Coda. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay, sorry. The Marcus boot. Yeah. Yeah. The, gotcha. the Marcus boot. Uh, you have the five of them and Susie is, you know, telling Marcus she may go with him, but she may, not, because she needs to put her game first, right? That's something that I think About in modern survival, a,
2: You know, as subtle as, like, a hammer. Like, she... And that's the thing. Oh, my God. She's just so bad socially. It's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> Sorry. She's just because is she, hilarious. Oh, God. <laughs> she's not
4: giving them what they want, right? And and I think it's interesting that, you know, the the Crystal side of the tribe, you know, they want her to be with them, right? Like they need her number, mm-hmm. and they they try to get her. And it feels like the onions should be able to do a minimal amount of work to to just make her feel comfortable, but they they are not capable of making her feel comfortable. And I don't think that mm-hmm. we talk enough about the onions' inability to keep Susie within their orbit.
5: Yeah, because we are framed that Susie is the irrational player when her decisions were all very rational. Like all of the cho- totally like even
4: her social
5: interactions are a bit different. I mean, it's it's. We'd be remiss to say like that. Susie is very different than a lot of these cast members. She does not have the same Mm -hmm. things in common. The onions, you know, especially before Randy joins them, is like highly educated. A lot of them are like Ivy Leaguers who are like who work in like corporate America or all these other fields. Like Susie doesn't watch Frasier or whatever. Like that they're valuing.
2: they pass around that blazer. All of them wear that blazer, all those onions yeah. in their confessionals. You're so right. It's like very like they're in Africa and they're all wearing a blazer, you know? Yeah. That's funny.
4: Ma- Maggie, I I love the imagery of the blazer because it's mm-hmm. it's not just a jacket that they're sharing. It's kind mm-hmm. of a persona, right? Think of mm-hmm. like the mall rats where they all have like their matching bracelets. I think it's very... Poetic that the onions are sharing a blazer. Yeah, and so like, but why don't we ever talk? Like, people know the onions. Like, like the things that we don't—they're not nearly as negative
5: because one of their own, Bob, even though he was at the bottom of that group, succeeds, and they're they kind of crown him. Like the they're all they all vote together. So you really, I think, have trouble as a as an editor. How do you
4: kind of get around this? You know, if if they had all had a blazer, right? Maybe it's like a little bit easier to uh, to physically identify them. That's probably just like the the white collar outfits that they're like stranded with a little bit right. but, you know i
5: think it, there's something to be said about suzy and sugar who are i think there's a lot of classist overtones in the final travel council against both of them right because they outsmarted this group of people who were supposed to probably dominate almost any other season of survivor and so like to me there is just like it's just so interesting to think about it like that um what i wanted to say about Susie, though was uh uh you know, like I said, the onions, we take the, what all they say is like truth. And like, we see that confessional about, uh, her and Corinne about like, Oh, I was going to vote you off. You know, like we get that a lot. We we see that in every single recap, like Susie is just like unhinged. She's a loose cannon. Uh And like that moment is played on repeat. So of course that's kind of like what we are remembering, but like, you know, when Marcus goes home in that episode at tribal council, Bob says in front of Susie, who's literally the swing vote, I kind of regret my vote last night. I think maybe I should have voted the different way, and like the other way was to vote Susie out instead of Dan. And it's like that is never replayed a billion times because he's the winner, and you're Listen, supposed to treat him in positive. Yeah.
2: Listen, I am not saying that he was much better socially than <laughs> Susie, but I'm saying I saw with my own two eyes her go to Marcus and be like, "I don't know what can you do for me." Like just like no attempt to make him yeah. feel good at all you know like and i i just think that that's it's just so funny it it, it just I, cracks me up you know
5: it cracks me up but you know what i also find so interesting is that like again it's kind of it's like Susie's. you know of course she's stepping on toes she's like being very direct but it's like Marcus, it's a direct question. Why can't you answer it? Like, why can't like you still chose not to vote for her even like you could have done that and you still chose not to you chose to want to keep her in your group despite her being clearly very obvious with you. And I feel like we should like dock Marcus that but quite often Marcus is the person a lot of people would say was the, one of the few smart players of the game when it's like, well, would a smart no. player be out Fox by Susie Smith? Yeah, perhaps, you know, like, so I think there's interesting yeah. things. Uh, what I wanted to dive into, again, is a bit more of the current consensus on Susie. Um, there was a popularity poll in 2016 on the Survivor subreddit where they ranked everyone, put them scores between 1 and 10. Maggie, of about the nearly 600 contestants that were ranked, mm-hmm. this is like 2016, so it's like around co-wrong time. Where do you think Susie Smith fell? Do you think she was top half, bottom half, you know, top 10, bottom 50? Where, where do you, where, where's your gut telling you?
2: I think she lives somewhere. There were about 600 contestants.
5: At that time, yeah.
2: I think she is high 400s. She is number
5: 299. So, oh,
2: good job, Susie. Yeah. That's great. Sneaking into yeah. top half.
5: Well, I think she's... Uh, I think there's like 575. So it's again, she's in that So she, she's
4: about like three out of seven jury votes.
5: Yeah. She's like, again, like she, that's like, she's, she's like, a, she's always polling around like 45%, you know, she's like a, a presidential. <laughs> <approval>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, some other interesting things I wanted to mention about this was that he gave some demographic data of, of certain types of people that tended to rate Susie more highly or what was correlated with her. Uh, for example, Uh, If whatever score you gave Susie quite often correlated to scores you gave to Lydia from Guatemala, Edna from South Pacific, and Crystal Cox from Gabon.
2: Yes, yes. The Camp Queens. Are you kidding?
5: (laughs) All women of color. these are all the best people. Yeah. Women Mm -hmm. of color who I think almost kind of sometimes get reduced down to just like one moment or one line or one quote. So I think that makes sense. And the negative correlation, so the people who tend to be the most opposite of Susie are uh africa lex uh boston rob from all stars and cochran from south pacific all almost maybe overexposed characters
2: yeah and also like super and you know i don't want to i'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this like sort of they play a very specific way all three of them that falls under this like mastermind total control, everybody is under my thumb way. And that is not the way that somebody like Susie, passive queen plays, yeah. you know, like that's just the exact opposite of the way that she plays.
4: Yeah, totally. And I think that, you know, there's also, I think, a, a seriousness that you are taking with some of these characters, you know, Cochrane is, is obviously mm-hmm. uh, meant to be much more of a, um, uh, comedic force, uh, I think, in Survivor. But you know, for his winning season, uh, you know, with and with Austin, Robin, Lex, I think that these are all people who are taking the game very seriously. Um, you know, it is about being here to win. And Lydia, Edna, Crystal, these are people that you are like meme. Right. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you were making a meme out of them. You don't make a meme out of Boston Rob. You evaluate his gameplay and, like, did he make the right move right here? Yeah. But
5: I think this also tells you a lot about, like, who do producers feel like are worth investing in? Cause these, the men that I named are all people who are almost like the center point of their season, almost like the first person you'd call from each of those seasons to return. And mm-hmm. the people I named who correlated with Susie are not. And I think it's like, you know, I, I love a character that is not nearly as spoon fed to us because I think that's just more interesting than someone who's much more like center focused. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think there's, people who were playing the game with Susie that could really relate to her. So yes. she didn't do very well with them. And I'm sure there was producers who couldn't really relate to Susie either. They didn't know how to tell mm-hmm. her story very well. I mean, we talk a lot about the diversity in the show and I can't imagine that the people behind the camera particularly know a lot of Susie's in their lives mm-hmm. either. Um, and I think the choices reflect that. Um, the last thing I kind I of also to wonder, quickly, go ahead.
2: sorry, I just, just on that point, I also wonder how well Susie was able to tell her own story. You know, and I think that that is like she is the prime example of somebody on a show who is not going to be able to tell her own story probably very succinctly because we even saw that at Final Tribal. You know, like her big point was that she tried really hard, which like. I think that there we, but we've talked about this entire podcast. There is so much more to her game than that she tried really hard, but that's sort of what she reduced it down to herself. So I think that that entire combination ends up with this like ghost edit of a, a woman who, you know, the, the two big moments that you get are her telling Corinne that she was going to vote her out and her asking Marcus, what can he do for her? You know, I think that the, all of that sort of creates this perfect storm of this like, Memeable type finalist who almost won the game, you know? Yeah. And I, I think uh,
5: the word try I think, is very interesting because I remember watching the finale when I got around to it, uh, was that I was like, oh, it's kind of like incoherent. She's like saying it a lot. Like it's clearly not working. And I think Susie's not someone who is the best equipped at like reading a room. You know, she's, I don't, I, don't, I will not mm-hmm. sign up for like Susie Smith running like an open mic night by any means, right? Like she's, she doesn't know how to really tell a joke. She's not particularly charming um in particular but she seems like a nice person like someone who's not like mean-spirited which maybe is why Mm -hmm. she definitely did not fit in with the gabon cast like maybe in other seasons she actually is someone who could find allies easily because why wouldn't she like susie she's like a hard worker every time you cut to her she's carrying a log or something like in in coda Mm -hmm. especially and she actually reminds me a lot of the um i guess what resonates with me is is kind of the depiction of susie as like the classic like immigrant story you know she's a woman of color she was actually born to like migrant farm workers right um in in and she like worked in the fields growing up and now she's with these like yuppies who she keeps her head down she works hard she's willing to kind of put herself first at key moments in the game and at the end of the day that group was still like we don't like you you're not cool you're not interesting you're not charming you're not worth whatever this is but i think what is a part of that though, is I think a lot, of a lot of preconceived notions with Susie. And I think it's very, so easy to dismiss Susie as a player because she is a bit socially awkward, but I think Strava littered with socially awkward people, people who, like I said, Bob is also having social faux pas at times, yeah. but is mm-hmm. rewarded. And, and Susie is never even remotely spoken about, you know, Susie, like I said, ranked her out number 300 in that popularity poll. Bob is 150 spots higher than her. Right. So like, you know, who's resonating with audiences, I think is, is something that is, very
4: interesting. And, you know, I think as an audience, we're supposed to resonate with Bob. That is a, a mm-hmm. goal that the editors had because he ends up winning. And they, they clearly did not invest in Susie as a character. And... I, I think, you know, to, to give them a little bit of credit here, there were a lot of characters on Gabon that they needed to be splitting some time with. I just think they could have spent mm-hmm. a little more time building up Susie as a character. Um, and you mentioned the word try, Maggie. So I actually read Susie's bio before
5: coming on because I thought it was interesting. Like also, what are producers choosing to put out front in the pre-show footage as well? Um, so here are some things about Susie. Tired of working hard and being poor, Smith vows to devote the rest of her life to her needs. After years of allowing others to influence her life, she decided to stop and dedicate this next chapter to herself. And taking part in Survivor was the first step. And second was showing her son, family, friends, and students that all it takes to change any part of your life is to just try. Right? So I think in many ways, Susie came in with a concept of like, I will be, you know, like I'm Saree Fields. I got off the couch. I'm doing the things that like, and putting myself out there. And I think this group of elitists really just were not in- interested in it at all. And they did not buy into the narrative that she was selling in the way that in Token Sheens, you know, Stephen also talks about like, I came out of here, I had no wilderness experience and I learned how to make a fire and survive on exile. And like, Brendan comes up and is like, you think that's enough to get you a million dollars? Like, people are not interested in that. And I think Susie in particular did not know how to pivot well beyond that. Because I think, if she had like the right like debate coach, she would have highlighted other things or Mm approached things differently, but she takes things very literally, which makes it really hard. And you know, Corinne is like very witty and I'm sure like Susie's not someone you can bounce off very well. Right. Like these are just people who did not connect with her. And I find it a little disappointing because well, I think it's makes sense why they did not like her. Generally it's like, you guys really try to get to know her because you know, someone who like worked as like in like this migrant, like, like crop, um, worker family. Like there's interesting stories here. There's experiences here. But I think at the end of the day, Susie's maybe just a little lame in their eyes. You know, she lists one of her hobbies as going to the movies. Like she says going to the movies and, and going out to eat. You know, like this is not someone who's probably the most like interesting person to be around. And um uh I just I kind of I kind of feel bad for Susie at times because I really don't think they they gave her a whole lot of chances and I don't think she did a lot with the chances that she was given.
4: You know, I I also think a challenge that Susie faced in uh, the final tribal when she's supposed to be talking about her story is that I think Susie is uh, too humble at times, and I don't even mean yes. you know someone who's like oh Definitely. well you know I don't want to my own horn too much, but she's like I well I just wanted to try and 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 not really I think mm-hmm. like building a larger case, and at least my interpretation of it is that like she's just not like thinking in that same way of like talking yourself up at at every opportunity you can. You know, looking to the most recent Final Tribal that we saw, you know, uh Cassidy and Owen are mega super fans of the show. They have a, a deep understanding of like archetype, how you are perceived, what you want to be highlighting, what you're not. They have like a, a deep game plan going into Final Tribal and have, you know, an argument that I, I in a narrative I think they're trying to stick to. And I think Susie was probably far more Authentic uh, going up there. But I think that that's something that also hurt her in front of the jury.
1: Mm-hmm. Play it for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: I think that's what, what I think is so interesting about Susie is that she's like the ant, the opposite of Corinne. Like she never doesn't play it for the cameras at all. She does not have mm-hmm. an image that she's trying to promote. She doesn't even care really about being cool or liked. You know, the onions care about those type of things, right? Like they they are a little bit more, I think, trained in the office politics and in the way that you should modulate your personality think about corinne you know she hates Susie, but she's like that's a very fair point that she made like everything is so measured and Susie's like Mm -hmm. very direct and like i think just has very different cultural like connections to um these players around her and i kind of like the fact that she's like a lame mom who's like totally unaware of the cameras and is just kind of like yeah, why wouldn't she just ask what your position in the game is? And thank God she did, because as much as people like to give credit to the onions for being smart, they were all willing to let Marcus beat them at the end. And it's like, to me, like in a in a universe where and we're about to hit the Dark Ages in a few seasons after Gabon, what I would have done for Andrea Belke or or Ashley Underwood or Natalie Tenerelli or or any of these other. Uh, characters who kind of just let these like dominant alpha males waltz to the end, stand up like Susie did and shift the game when given the opportunity to. And so I really draw a lot of parallels with the, again, like this kind of classist overtone because, you know, Susie's talking about just trying and getting out there and like doing it and risking it all. And the onions were like, we don't want you to try. We want you to accept your station in life and sit down and let us walk over you. And they were very upset that I think someone like Susie outplayed them um, and I think the fact that she's not particularly charismatic even made that worse for them. Like we're not even losing someone who's like unathletic. We're losing someone who's not very socially competent either. Um, what I wanted to kind of wrap up on this segment about the current consensus is that Survivor Quotes X, a Twitter page, did a series of polls in 2022 asking who you, the viewer, would have voted for in all these different final tribal council combinations. So for example, JTB.Steven, 57 to 43. Wow big difference than the jury that was there yes yeah, I mean, <laughs> right 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 um typically there's over a thousand votes in each of these polls and of course this is a very specific corner of the internet so it's like a self-selection bias as well uh in gabon maggie what percentage do you think suzy got from the viewers where how many what percentage of, of 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 people who participated in this poll you think voted for Susie? was your option well, all three Susie, hosts. bob and sugar
2: I was about to say, well, I feel like Sugar probably got a decent amount of the online votes um, because I think that Sugar, upon reflection, was... I know you said, Kenny and Crystal, you feel like, drove the strategy of the season. Hardcore agree. Sugar drove what happened, though. Like The final decision was Sugar's to make at every turn about what actually was going to happen. So I would say 30%. For Susie, 35. Yeah, 35.
5: Okay. Susie got
1: 19%. Ugh. Oling,
5: 19%. Rough. Bob, 39. Yeah. Sugar, 42. So yeah. what's mm-hmm. what this stood out to me was that, you know, out of all these polls, uh, other than Redemption Island, where Rob got 83, Phillip, 6, Natalie, 11, it's the Oling Final Tribal Council poll. Uh, where the second player is ranked, the second placer is ranked last, right? Mm. So Natalie Tannerelli and Sugar, you know, beat out Susie and Phillip. Um, and Sugar's a zero vote finalist that beats out both the winner and the runner up. And so, you know, as much as I think like Susie is a meme queen and has like a vocal, like minority of people that care about her, it really isn't that many people, which is kind of what inspired the idea to talk about Susie because I think a lot of people just kind of chalk her up as someone who didn't do anything i think a lot of people think of her as someone maybe who didn't even get any votes to win even though she was one vote away from winning um so i just think that's she's like an interesting person to kind of examine uh do you think there's anything else to mention in this kind of like segment about how
4: kind of current fans feel about her or the Um, modern day perception no i don't i don't think i have anything about the the current consensus on her but maggie i i do want to hear from you so you watched uh the first 20 seasons chronologically in mm-hmm. order. Uh, when was that compared to uh, like the, the live broadcast?
2: 2019. Um, I watched okay, them so- all in order. So Mm -hmm. still
4: fairly recent and you were unspoiled going through it. So Mm -hmm. do you remember, uh, I guess, like after having seen how Gabon played out, do you remember your views on Susie changing at all since that initial watch where you are, you probably got like more plugged in with the survivor community?
2: No, not really. (laughs) Um, I, I, you know, I think that she, you know, I, I think that the, Problem. I I think that maybe my views on her changed a little bit when I got greater context overall for Mm -hmm. her, because I think that my views on Survivor as a whole and like as a game and the game mechanics of Survivor has sort of evolved over time, Um, specifically since I've been watching it play out live, like actually watching live since 41. I think that I have different feelings there. So maybe my views changed on her in terms of like what she was doing and how she was accomplishing it and how she could have won. You know, like I I think maybe I went from thinking like oh my god, I can't believe she almost won. That's crazy. <laughs> to being like okay, how could she have won? Like she did play a mm-hmm. good enough game to well, she was the best player out of the 3. So like what could she have done? to get those votes at the end. Um, and I do think maybe my mind shifted on like, if I'm thinking about it strategically, you know, and like going through the scenarios in my head, but like my feeling on her as a player, no, it, it's, it's remained, it's remained the same, I
1: think.
4: <laughs> you know, I, I think that's an, uh, an interesting point, Maggie, because, you know, I've, I've thought about it. And I think that other than Dominic, You could argue that Susie is in a whatever number tie for being the closest to winning Survivor without actually winning because it's not just being one vote short. You have somebody who was a juror that did not vote for her that at least at one time said, I regret voting the way that I did. I mean, I don't think you can get that much closer. So to look at the game, uh, you know, reflecting back and saying, how could she have won? Who said they regretted it?
2: Sorry. Who it said re- they were Ra- Randy, Randy. Oh, okay. at the
4: reunion. He
5: also mentions that like a, like a, well, I think he said post-show, but then he's kind of seen as the swing vote because he even says at tribal council, it's like, please don't make me vote for Susie. He says that to Bob, like Susie's the only person that didn't
4: laugh when I was being humiliated. And so, you know, even if there's only a specific segment of time in which Randy would have regretted not voting for Susie, He did get there at one point, which means that Susie could totally have won. And I think it's, it's almost bizarre to think about how likely it was that she could have won instead of like how interesting that she got that close. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think I like Susie as a figure, so much more exciting as
5: the loser because then she's like the what if. Then like, if she was actually the winner, I think, I mean, they'd probably give her an edit similar to Vesepia's and they didn't give her much of an edit either. Um, You know, as someone who kind of like ebbed and flowed in the game. So uh, she's a good
2: winner though. Vesepia is a really good winner.
5: I think Vesepia's a, a good winner. And I guess maybe the, the, the comparison I'm making here is that they were both willing to flip. I think they both won the same amount of immunity challenges by the way uh, <laughs> for for those keeping you know track at home. And, um, you know, both were willing to vote out some of the people that they were most easily to beat. Like Visefia was, vote- was willing to vote out Nalia during the Purple Rock towards the end. And Nalia is probably the easiest person for her to defeat. Susie, you know, is like certainly will, you know, she votes out Crystal, Kenny, and she's like willing to vote out Sugar, perhaps at the final four. Like, you know, it's not like as if they always have the, the fully best read, but they are aware that you should be self-interested if you want to advance yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people came hard on them because, you know, they were people who, um, you know, seemingly nice people who suggested that they were like role models in some way or, you know, want to be representation in some way. And I think for a lot of their competitors, they were like, why... Like they just felt like that was not um, relevant to them. So I, I, I draw like a parallel of, cause I think of the Gabon group overthrowing the onions very much like the row Two four being overthrown as well. It's really is a mm-hmm. power shift, you know, shifting to a multiracial, more working class, more emotionally dynamic group of people. And I love the fact that Gabon gets to have that because I feel like in so many seasons, the onions would run the table and thank God they didn't this time. So uh, just some thoughts about that. Uh, I wanted to talk about Jeff's reaction. Now, Maggie, do you recall anything about what Je- how Jeff felt about Susie at all? Do yeah, he hated her, right?
2: He hated yeah. her. Yeah,
5: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: In short. That makes uh, sense to me. I mean, I don't think it's right, but that totally makes sense to me that he wouldn't like her. Based off of the yeah. people that Jeff really enjoys, you know, and the winners that I feel he's been vocal about really enjoying. That makes sense that he was like not into the game that Susie played.
4: Yeah. And you know, Maggie, I I think what I will bring it back to again a running theme is camp because uh I got into Survivor uh right around Cogi on. So the second live season in the the preseason experience I got to have was for Worlds Apart and Jeff was hyping up Worlds Apart so much. He was talking about how great the season was going to be. And Worlds Apart feels like one of the least campy seasons out there. It's 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 just mm-hmm. very serious and I don't think it has a lot of like joy in it. Well, and so
2: Jeff Yeah. Jeff takes his show incredibly seriously as he should, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he absolutely like he's built this incredible show. He takes it very seriously. And these people kind of made a mockery of his show, you know, like, and look, I love every second of it, but like the, what they were doing out there was not the survivor that Jeff Likes to make, you know and so I it, it doesn't surprise me at all that he was not into what was going on on Gabon because <laughs> it's silliness it was pure silliness, you know yeah
4: I, I, I think you're, you're you're totally right, Maggie. he He takes the show so seriously and wants people to have reverence for it and I think that he has mm-hmm. issues with uh, Greg Buis in uh, Borneo as someone who is not taking the show very seriously. Um, But Kevin, I know that you've mentioned before that Gabon is right around the time that Jeff starts to get more influence in production beyond just being a host. Yeah. He becomes like
5: an executive producer around this time. And I feel like Gabon stands out as a season where in the recaps, a lot of editorialization, you know, like he is like saying, and the Fongs asked for a death wish by doing, by voting out Jackie. And I'm like, Jackie was not part of their Alliance. She's with Marcus and all of them. Like, why would that make any, sense for them it's like Susie's. you know like was clueless and i'm like Susie's voted right on every single vote like to me it was actually very interesting because i feel like there's a story that we're being told that does not exactly match what is happening you know on the island or if you look at like the raw data of it of, of the entire experience and so um Definitely, I think Jeff's perspective is very clear and the types of people that he likes to see succeed in the show, and I think we should be very critical of like how the show also chose to portray certain types of people and what types of people tend to get better edits. We know in Survivor, even especially at this point as well, that Men get way more confessionals than women. That uh, you know, people of color tend to be underedited or kind of stereotypical. I mean, look at Gabon. Uh, Crystal is an angry black woman by the edits and Jeff's like suggestions in storytelling. Kenny is like an awkward Asian man. Susie's like a dumb, like hardworking immigrant. Like, I mean, these are not particularly colorful or complex, flattering, <sighs> flattering things. Charlie's reduced down to his sexuality. You know, Olin mm-hmm. just talking about Marcus. And while I can really enjoy because I think there are truths in some of these portrayals, right? Like it's not like you made these things up, but like the choices to highlight specific attributes or not suggest maybe an alternative perspective of things, you know, is just interesting to me. Um, and I, you know, I, I want to be critical of Jeff because, you know, I, am an old school purist and I've, when Jeff took control, that's when we sing a lot more of like the fire making twist at final four and like the stuff I don't tend to care for as much. And you know what people should recall that, when asked about why didn't we do winners at war earlier, he suggested that we didn't have enough interesting female winners, which I think is complete BS by anyone's like, like objective assessment. And so it's like, I'm sure you have to imagine at least a a small percentage of that also plays on the way that Susie is also kind of like um, depicted and spoken about in his article after the finale, he writes in an EW article, if Susie had won, I don't know what I would have said, or how I would have justified the, such a decision by the jury. Yes, Susie did a good job making it far enough to put her position to have a shot at the money, but to get three votes and nearly a fourth from Randy really surprised me. He then goes on to say, if this were a fair game, which it often is not, Sugar would have received a few votes and Susie would have had none. I mean, that's pretty
2: I mean, damn yeah. you know? It's like intense to say. I I don't know if I agree with everything he said, but I do think Sugar should have gotten a couple votes uh, (laughs) in that final tribal. So, and look, she didn't, because of her own doing, you know, like it, it, and of course Survivor is not fair. None of these games are fair. You know, it's, it's social dynamics. That's, it's not fair. Everything, you know, goes into it. Um, But I, I think, you know, the... (laughs) It's just, it's it's just funny to, to hear that from him. You know, I, I think that, but you know, there are some seasons that I feel that way about, about the person who wins. I am so upset about it. I do not think they deserve it. I will never tell you on this podcast who I'm talking about. <laughs> my, my best friend knows, but I will never say live on the internet who I'm talking about, but there are absolutely people that people will be very mad at me that when they won their season, I was, so upset about and was like, they don't deserve it, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then when you take a step back and you, you know, reevaluate. And I, I think, you know, it just, it just goes to show the way that people at the time were viewing the season as a whole, you know, that he was like, he was like the person who almost won. Wh- what? And the person who got zero, who was a zero vote final tribalist. What? You know, I, I think that Maybe like we saw a little bit of that confusion from the audience this season, you know, less from Jeff, but I think that, you know, that happens sometimes and everything that we've been talking about on this podcast is really great in shedding light on the things that Susie did that were positive and, you know, contributed to those three votes that she got. Um, And I, yeah, I just, that, that, those quotes are very funny to me.
4: You, you know, I remember uh, watching the finale. It, it's either the end of uh, The Final Tribal or when you're actually in the finale. And Jeff makes comments of like, Susie, you got three votes. How did that happen? Like, try to explain that for us. And when I was like hearing that, I was like, Jeff, this feels like something someone with a bad social game would be saying in public in front of people. Like, like wait a like Her to, like, family's here. Yeah, How this dare is, you? Know, TV. I like, I <laughs> come on.
2: You
5: know. It's, it's just I know. It's, And like, I I love the word. Yeah. Fair. Right. Because I think it also rings the bell to the word deserving, which is one of my least favorite words, Mm -hmm. I think, in Survivor. And of course, it's one the onions love to use when Marcus goes home and they go. Corinne says, I think Marcus deserved to be here. And I've always applauded Kenny and Susie for being like, well, who's to say who deserves to be here? We all deserve to be here. If we weren't, we Mm -hmm. wouldn't be here. And And Corinne's like, like.
4: yeah 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 we all deserve it but marcus really really
5: deserved, deserved it. it and i think jeff like echoes some of that assessment that at the end of the day like there's something unfair about like Susie winning votes but like she won them fair and square so that's the definition of fair but like you're you have like a sense of like what is right on survivor or the what the right way to play things. yeah or absolutely do things. and i think that's I think we should be aware of our own biases when we, when we start saying things mm-hmm. like that. And especially if there are people who are likely from more marginalized communities, mm-hmm. uh, people who don't get a lot of representation. And I think it's like not crazy to give Susie a slightly better edit. Cause you would, you give her two more confessionals and I'm sure you could have filled in a few of the blanks in. I looked at her edgic, which is a great way to kind of look at the edits that were a, a contestant got at the time. Um, so it gives you different scores, positively toned, negatively toned. Were you over the top under the radar? Stuff like that. Susie lasts 13 episodes in Survivor Gabon. She's ranked under the radar or invisible. So like no, no real uh, presence in an episode. Nine out of 13 episodes.
2: That tracks. Mm-hmm.
5: Nine mm-hmm. out of tracks 13. Tracks what I saw. For someone that was one vote away from winning, I think you cannot, I, at the end of the day, like, where were, why, why did we see, like, scenes of her, like, bonding with Crystal and Kenny even? Like, or 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 Maddie, I mean, we actually,
4: Maddie and Susie seem were seemingly close, but, like, we feel like we never actually really see footage of those things. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll go back to what you've said before, Maggie, where you, you think that Sugar should have received a couple of votes. I do. And, uh, you know, I, really I, do. I know that when I first watched Gabon, I was really on, I, I think, like, the same train of, Uh, Being surprised that Sugar got zero votes because I think she Mm -hmm. was like so influential. But rewatching the season, I think uh, coming at it with like a a little bit of a different lens, because I had seen so many seasons by that point, I think I was more aware of Sugar, I think, making decisions and then maybe changing her mind about it down the road or being like wishy washy about the decisions. And I think that coming back to that and realizing that made me have a better appreciation for why she did not end up getting votes. But what I think is interesting is that I think realistically the show probably saw sugar as a star realized that they had hit like gold in, in trying to put a good product forward. They bring her back for heroes versus villains just a couple seasons later. Mm -hmm. And they probably built her up more as a character than they normally would for a, third place loser in the final tribal and it's likely at least to a degree at the expense of susie yeah i mean i i think it has to be and i yeah. think you know at the end of the day sugar is a very
5: captivating contestant we don't get a lot of people like sugar who make the end game either but you know i i think at the end of the day it's, it's just egregious to give your second placer you know one vote away from winning who theoretically could have won i mean no real story. I mean, what's the relationship we hear most about Susie? It's probably Corinne. And it's through Corinne's eyes more often, not even Susie's. I mean, talk about having like really no story here to 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 kind of create. I, I just found it, you know, a little disappointing. She uh Bob, who's also known for being kind of under the radar, is only rated as under the radar five out of his 13. So Susie nearly twice as much. And Susie doesn't only gets toned in two episodes. So she's rated positively in one and negatively in another. Uh, Bob is rated positively eight out of 13 episodes. So there's like the music cues, the signs. And I think that's like a huge part about Susie that I find so interesting is that, you know, when Susie's a swing vote during the Marcus boot, it's like they actually show her to a confessional where she's kind of trailing off a little bit. Like she's still like not very intelligent or doesn't understand things. It's like, well, but she is making the best game move. So why are you telling that story in that way? That is a choice. These are choices that people in a room are making and they've chosen to not uh, give her even a a semblance of a flattering edit. And I just think it's just disappointing because can you imagine being that close to winning and then watching it on television and getting nothing um, uh, despite technically having like really uh, real accomplishments? It's just kind of disappointing to me.
4: So, you know, I I think that now we want to move into a little bit of the legacy of evaluation of who Susie Smith was. And I I first, Mackie, want to to ask you, you know, I think a lot of our conversation today has centered on Susie being a bit of an enigma where it seems like there's like a lot to talk about when maybe there like should not be a lot to talk about. But even Mm -hmm. before you get to all of that, why do you think production ultimately put her on the cast? Why do you think that they chose for her to be a part of Gabon?
2: You know, (laughs) I don't know. She was passionate, I guess. But like I for the life of me, like can't maybe they wanted because they had a bunch of, you know, sort of kooky characters out there. Like you had people like Randy, who I'm sure during casting was, you know, a hoot. You had people like Crystal, like Kenny, like Sugar, who had incredibly dynamic personalities that popped. And maybe they wanted this, you know, sort of suburban mom character who you felt they thought the audience could resonate with, you know, like, she's like, oh, she's like a mom. Like, she reminds me of my neighbor. She reminds me of my mom. You know, she, but then I think that Susie... (laughs) I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, did, I haven't seen all the footage, but the I, I just wonder if she was unable to bring that dynamic presence to the confessionals uh, that they were looking for. And yeah, I don't really, I don't know. What do you think?
4: You know, I, I think that, I, I think you're onto a point here. I also think that production may be misunderstood susie or we're misreading her um you know susie is midwestern maggie you're midwestern Mm -hmm. and have moved out to the coast um as someone who is as born and raised on the coasts my whole life but i have family in the midwest i think that there's often uh cultural differences that are maybe not so obvious but maybe have us interpret each other a little bit differently do you think it's possible that you know survivor which is la based is maybe not fully understanding maybe like the Midwestern roots of Susie and how that plays into who she is.
2: Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't I know. Mean, what do you think, Kev? I mean, I
5: think, well, I just think at the end of the day, they we're not really great at telling Susie's story. And Susie herself is not great at it either, right? Mm-hmm. So let's, you know, I will give them a bit of the benefit of the doubt still. Um At the end of the day, like we see a lot of parallels between Susie and Sandra, which, you know, makes sense at the end of the day. There's not that many like Latina finalists in general in Survivor. So I get the parallel, but they're also so different. And I don't even mean like their social skills, which I think is the easiest way to kind of think Mm -hmm. about their differences. But like, you know, Susie's like rural, you know, she's like, you know, migrant, family worker. She's, She's rural. Sandra's urban you know Susie's like way older than Sandra you know Sandra's like 29 in Pearl Island Susie's 47 Susie's way older than those people and I think you know Sandra's like so charismatic she like leads she commands a room Mm Susie's feels like your mom who's like bringing who's like kind of like too overly nurturing and she's like bringing in hot pockets and be like or like pizza bagels and it's like do you want anything it's like mom leave this alone like i I felt like Mm -hmm. so often Susie's issues that she can't read a room and that she's putting her foot in her mouth because she doesn't understand that she should take a step back or modulate her personality a little bit here and there to get people to like you and i find that actually kind of endearing but i can also probably tell like on the island that's not
4: particularly exciting you know you know or like someone
2: you want to work with
4: yeah you know i kevin i think that's a, a great analogy imagining Uh, You know, when Susie was working with the Onion Alliance, they're the the cool teens and Susie's their mom who's really annoying, but they're like all trapped in just camp, right? Like they can't get away from her. They're on like a a one room cabin vacation where they're stuck with mom who's not fun, and every time like Susie speaks they like they face they're embarrassed by her they're embarrassed
5: by Susie and I think that's probably a, a, a thing that's maybe not talked enough about is that they find her kind of cringy and not particularly enjoyable and it's like these are people who say the most heinous things they are so elitist they're so obnoxious they all like they all have so many negative qualities that Susie never really kind of speaks that poorly about but this kind of like nice unassuming person is like is the person that they hate like Randy's like Susie yawns too loudly. It's like whatever she does, you're gonna hate, which I find it's like maybe that's like a self-reflective exercise you should take a bit too. Um, and so when I so a lot of people say Susie is like a nothing character, but to me, a character is also like how they shift the story. Like Susie, despite not being the flashy person herself, enrages people around her. She's open to moving the game in directions that are interesting. <laughs> like there's actually stuff here.
1: And I think if you think
5: of Susie like that, it's It's more fun. Go ahead.
1: No, it is. That's why I'm cracking up because it is way
2: more fun to think of her like that. Like, she might not pop off the screen, but she's making everybody else around her (laughs) react so strongly. But I think that that's part of it is that we, as the audience, we're like, why do they feel this way about her? Like, let us in. Susie, show us what you're doing. Like, tell us what you're doing. We want to know. And then she just doesn't. So we're sort of like what's going on? You know, and yeah. that's why she becomes this sort of enigma because we see the way everybody's reacting to her and we're like okay. So so show us like why this is happening and then they never do. So we're all sort of like left scratching our heads a little bit about it. And I do want to make clear that my Sandra comparison, I just mean like within casting, you know, I would assume they're both mothers. They're yes, Sandra's 29, but considering the rest of her Pearl Islands cast, she definitely is like the motherly figure. You know, she's the one they, on that very first Pearl Islands episode, she goes in and she's speaking in Spanish and she's collecting all the food and she's, you know, all of this stuff. And, you know, Susie is the one who crystals like, mom's got to stick together. You know, I just think that like casting, if you're looking at just like tropes that they cast, I think that they fit sort of the same thing. They're wildly different people, players, all of that. They both made it to the end of their seasons. You know, they were both effective players, but wildly different. Um, so that's why I made that analogy earlier. I just didn't want yeah. you to think that I was, yeah.
5: Well, I appreciate your clear, because I didn't, I didn't think of anything like that in, in anyone. I'm sure most people make the connection between the two of them, right? It's mm-hmm. not abnormal. Um, and uh, I think just the way you talk about casting, it's like, I'm sure race does play a role in the way that casting yeah. sees characters right so it's not it's okay. not strange like I'm sure they're like casting thought about Cassandra and Fiji as very similar to Suri, right and like maybe mm-hmm. there's some reductionist elements in that but I think that doesn't change the reality about how quite often audiences rev- you know see people connect people and you know this is a podcast about audience receptions and I think maybe it's another issue that Susie has is that she feels like a really cheap version of Sandra but it's also like you're comparing her to the Queen of Survivor I don't think yeah. it's a fair assessment you know It's but it's like yeah. she's no like, one will look good in comparison it's, it's, it's so interesting at <laughs> Susie, mm-hmm. who's a kind of like a more of a like an unflashy person is compared to like she's in a crazy cast of people with really big personality. She's been compared to like a literal legend of the game. It's like, well, you know, of course, if you take things super literally, she's not very interesting at all. But if you're aware of how interesting that is to be that person in relation to all these other people, I think that's kind of fun. And I choose to have fun when I watch Survivor. So I think that's why Me I too. tend to like the Susie Smith experience.
2: Me too. Right. But right you know, people start watching
4: survivor yeah that's what i think mm-hmm. maggie i love your framing of the audience spends the season being like "Susie, like what what are you doing to make all these people feel this way right like yes. show us like what what is actually there that is making them have these responses you have the whole season of that and i think it's very appropriate that given the arc that Susie has it is capstoned with jeff voicing that in the reunion saying like what was what was the deal here like please explain Uh this to me like he was literally in gabon at all of the final at all of the tribal councils and he is also perplexed about like what is happening here and i don't i think coming into today's podcast i would not have said that but i feel like now i can say Susie has a little bit of mystery to her. And I think that that's another way to try to look at this season in a little more fun, right? Like Susie Smith, mystery woman. mystery
1: woman. She I doesn't, love it! She,
5: she, she like doesn't bat- bathe long enough for people. She <laughs> yaw, yawns too loudly. Like it's like this weird projection on Susie, mm-hmm. who's like the most average normal person ever. But the idea that people just force all these
4: things upon her is just so fascinating to me. I think the easiest explanation is that for many of the people in Gabon, Susie became that roommate that you hate, and every single thing she does annoys you. And mm-hmm. it does not matter if your best friend does the exact same thing. You're totally fine. And as soon as Susie does it, you're like, oh, there she goes again. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
5: yeah. And I like I and I think, you know, think about as that person, can Susie could Susie have done anything after they had that conclusion about her? I don't really know if she Could have because while I think that she put herself in a hole a bit at the end of the day those people were not letting her out of that one you know like there I don't think there's anything that she could have done and actually I I go to their final tribal council statements uh, to Susie the four people that vote for Bob you know I think people are so quick to identify the bitterness subjected to Sugar and clearly there's like very volatile statements that are made to her but like seemingly do not seem to understand that there's so much bitterness directed towards Susie and you know people say of course that Sugar was such a huge factor in Gabon but the Marcus boot to me is my favorite part of the season and Sugar's not part of that. So I've always really credited Susie with their dismissal and their kind of eventual, like kind of unraveling so much more than sugar, even though I think sugar technically was more influential, especially in that end game. But, um, you know, in that final tribal council, uh, uh Randy goes up and he goes, you know, if 39 days ago you told me that Susie you'd be over there and I'd be over here, I would tell that person that was, they were crazy. And I go, 39 days ago, you mean day one, when she had not made actually an impression upon you, you've already think that's strange and weird. Um, I think that's interesting. And he says that like, uh, multiple times you said that you felt sorry for me. Could you elaborate on that? And then pauses and goes, and elaborate means to, and I'm like, Susie knows what elaborate means. You know, like I think Mm -hmm. quite often, we keep hearing that Susie is dumb or unintelligent and I don't think she's particularly articulate, but that's not the same as being intelligent, right? Like those, Mm -hmm. there are different things here. Um, uh, Charlie asks the juror, the, the, the finalists about, um, he references the, uh, ranking in right before they swapped. And he goes, you know, when we did that ranking, Susie, you were ranked last for your tribe and Sugar second to last for yours. So can you convince us why we should change our impression of you uh, now that we're doing a new peer assessment, which I think is like in general, doesn't seem like a very difficult question at all. But I think inside of that, it takes the literal interpretation of that ranking, which is quite often about challenge performance, which of course, men will be ranked higher than women, right? Like mm-hmm. every woman was ranked low, even Crystal, who doping or not people dope and can't get into the Olympics, by the way, you know, is only is ranked like below Randy of all people. Like there's clearly like, I, I feel like there's just like, they're, they're coming in with a very distinct idea of like how Susie and sugar also should have played the game. Um, that I find like really unfair. Uh, Marcus says that like Susie, you came to Gabon as a mother and a child educator, but you know, you sacrificed all of that, uh, to not be a good role model in life. And I'm like, well, what did she do? That was so bad. Like the, was the yawning that bad? Like, I can't imagine like what the problem you have is that she chose to like stick up for herself. And I kind of love the idea that people like Susie are sticking up for themselves when clearly it's not the cool thing to do or the best thing for your game. But um, I'm obviously in the tank for Susie. So what do I have to say?
4: You know, I, I think that um, something that production could have done to give the audience maybe a better... View of Susie without doing anything to change her character was just to add in some dodo music around the onions here and there when you have them, you know, making the comments about Susie when you have them being really elitist. I think if you add a little more music cues to them, I think that you start to have like a better perspective because the onions really do have uh, very, very strong opinions about someone that does not seem to do all that much on camera. But I think they really are. Depicted uh, as like authority figures who, who who are approaching the game very thoughtfully, and I think that around that time in Survivor, you know, we're just coming off of Micro where there's so much of uh, I, I think excitement about the strategy and um, uh, like machinations in gameplay that I, I think that people were probably excited for that. Do you think that that's uh, a fair view of how people were coming into Gabon, like high on the? uh strategic supply that they had just gotten
5: strategic and also like you know the black widow brigade was full of charismatic people really good and confessional and susie's like none of those things so i think the producers who were like on site were like well we're gonna drive our attention towards these other people and so like i'm sure when susie was the producer that was with susie as susie was talking was probably not giving her the best questions either just because they've already kind of checked out they don't really care and i think susie continually defied all those odds um that I, I think it's like there, there's a story that there's a story that exists here, right? That it's like you could have easily just had Corinne talking about how Susie's so stupid, and then show footage of Susie beating her at a challenge. You could have done so many of these little pieces, sound effects, and things that could have made us like root for Susie as an underdog, I, but we don't even see know, her as one.
2: I think probably they would have done that if she was the winner, you know, yeah. like they. But they had yeah. to edit the story of like she almost won, but she didn't. You know, so I think that there's yeah.
5: But I yes, don't think they yeah. even give her the story that she almost won, right? Per mm-hmm. Jeff's even his comments, and so yeah. I think they're they're in a bit of a bind. But you know, I think there's been runners up who have gotten more flattering edits, despite being less close to the, like to the win. So it's like I just don't think it's that out of the popular imagination to like have a few things. I'm sure like there was at least one moment where someone laughed at Susie's joke. I'm sure there was one moment where like, people are like, you know what, Susie's like nice. I really like Susie. And like, I don't, we don't see any of those things. And um, I, I think that also like, you know, you know, affects how people think about things. And I'm sure Susie in the collective consciousness in Survivor, you know, Gabon's a season a lot of people can skip. And I think that's, I think it's crap. But I think it's something that people do because all the Mm -hmm. returnees don't go very far. It's just kind of like Fiji. Like why would you, if you, if 40 seasons is a lot 43 now. So if you're trying to like watch them all, Gabon's something you can skip often. And actually what I wanted to say earlier in that popularity poll is that Susie is most correlated to uh, liking Gabon. So Susie and Crystal both tied that if you Mm -hmm. like them, you're far more likely to like Gabon. If you hate them, you're more likely to hate Gabon. So it's like, to me, if you hate Susie and Crystal, you hate irony. And therefore, you probably have bad survivor opinions. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it.
4: So, Maggie, at the end of this conversation, this lovely journey that we've had about Susie, do you think that Susie was robbed?
2: No. But it's because <laughs> of my love of Sari. And I think that Susie lost in a final tribal which is a mechanism of the game. So no. But I do think that there are things Susie could have done that would have made her game a winning game. Like, I don't think her game was never, it was never possible for her to win. I think that with some adjustments here and there, socially, mostly, she could have been a survivor winner
5: fair fair what are your Um, thoughts you know at the end of the day i don't think Susie's robbed i think she's robbed in like the edit i think that's undeniable to me i just think it's that hard to give her like a little bit more um but yeah she's not robbed by any real like definition that you would use so in your heart you know
2: in my heart. heart Mm-hmm. And
5: I, I feel the need, and I think that's actually it's so much more fun to be a Susie fan than a Susie hater, in my opinion, right? Because to be a Susie fan is just like you, you get to imagine a whole different world that no one else seems to understand and live on that plane, right? And it's, it's, it's just. I love Susie and I feel the need to stick up for Susie because I feel like the Susies quite often are not respected in Survivor, but also in life. And something that drew me to Survivor is the fact that there's so many parallels to our actual world. And Gabon's when I'm, you know, in high school, starting to be aware of like clickiness, stratification, um, condescension from like elites. And I felt like Gabon had all of that. And it felt it would have been so perfect for Susie to get the last laugh at the end about all these people from all these different backgrounds and especially the white collar ones look down on her and to see her defeat them at the very end to everyone's surprise, including Jeff Probst, I would have lived, but you know, it didn't happen. So I will live in my own mind, in my own fantasy about it. But yeah, you know, I guess
4: technically Susie Smith was not robbed. Nigel. Yeah. Go by any technical definition. No, I, I think I am uh, after having this conversation uh, more bullish on her chances as a winner. I, I, I think I have been a little more convinced that she, it's capable of winning if she were to come mm-hmm. back, depending on the crew that she's with clearly um but i'm I'm fully in the camp of she's robbed to me in my delusion in my universe i'm I'm totally on board,
5: yeah yeah, uh well, are there any final thoughts on Susie or do you think like wait like we, we we've talked a lot about Susie for a character that doesn't talk a lot herself I mean mm-hmm. in the edit, apparently she talks all the time we <laughs> we barely see it until yeah. the finale. Mm-hmm. um you know, do you think there's any final like thoughts on Susie or uh, maybe better ways to appreciate her character in, uh, in general?
4: I mean, I, I think that uh, if you go into Gabon and consider, uh, I, I, I think like the, the facts on the ground of like what Susie's outing was. And I think that if you just look at the, the edit as being unflattering to her and thinking about, well, well, what would a more flattering depiction look like? I think it's actually very easy to see how you could have a more flattering Susie Smith on Survivor. But I think that, you know, in a cast of crazy people, I think that she's a a really fun, uh, normal person dropped in there. And I think that that in itself is always a fun experience. Mm -hmm. What about you, Maggie? Any, uh, Any final thoughts on Susie Gabon in general?
2: You gotta watch Gabon if you haven't. I mean, if you've made it this far in the podcast and you haven't watched Gabon, I'm so confused, but thank you. Just do it. <laughs> but I mean, we really went in the weeds on Gabon here. But I mean, Gabon's such a fun ride. You know, once you once you get it, like if you go in ready to have fun, ready to have a good time, don't take life so seriously. You know, don't take survivors so seriously. Like both on the ride. It's great. It's so fun. And yeah, then you get to have these great, fun conversations where you know you're making just like a normal point, and then everybody starts giggling because it's so funny because it's Susie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's great. It's so fun.
4: Kev,
5: closing thoughts. It's closing thoughts on like you know, I will say that at the end of this pod, all Susie Smith's fans should unite, all twelve of us. You know, like who are really holding <laughs> the three fort of down. us here.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes.
5: Um, you know, that at the end of the day, I think. The fun of of Susie is is it's just like with Gabon, it's you're flipping things on its head. And I think it's fun to have that thought experiment. I think if you go and watch Survivor and think of it as like a very simplistic formula that you should be good at challenges, it's it's very much the final tribal council format today where they go through all three steps and check all these boxes about like being good at outwit, outplay, outlast. If you think about it in those ways, I don't think Survivor is nearly as compelling. I like the idea that people from different walks of life can succeed. And that means people who are a little basic and not particularly the most you know exciting television can also do that and also create exciting television um you know just kind of gives you so much wonder and so much possibility and i love to see people kind of think more critically about survivor especially when it comes to gabon where we're spoon-fed an idea that Susie is dumb weak crazy but i don't really think she's technically any of those things i think at most she's not she's not cool She's not particularly funny, but those are not the things that were being said about her. And so if you think of, if you kind of like use Gabon as a way to kind of like explore, I think the complexity of characters, even someone as small of an edit as Susie, I think you'll be better served and uh, definitely watch Gabon when you get the chance. It's a great season. So I I love that we were able to do this today.
4: Well, Maggie, thank you so much for joining us on this journey to talk about the flashiest person that has ever been on Survivor. (laughs) Uh, Do you have anything coming up that you want to promote?
2: Yeah, so um, Jacob and I are right now doing the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City wrap up. It's um, every couple of weeks here, we go through what's going on on Salt Lake City. Um, we're almost at the end of the season. Uh, so check that out if you haven't. Uh, and if you don't watch and you just want to listen to Jacob and I talk for an hour and a half, you don't need to, you know, you don't need to watch. You can, you can just come. We'll explain. We'll walk you through it. So yeah, check those out if you haven't already. Um, And you can find me on Instagram at MLMorgan underscore. I'm not on Twitter. So if you disagree with my hot takes here, (laughs) shout into the void because I won't see it.
4: (laughs) Love that. Kevin, what do we have coming up?
5: So uh, You Thought You Knew. It only has one more episode left um, of our season and it will be on You Thought You Knew Tom Westman. So we'll be talking about someone who uh, is also an immunity beast, just like Susie Smith is, by the way. Uh, also, you know, does very well with the juries. Um, and so Tom will be really exciting to talk about. And so we'll be doing that next week. Uh, and if you want to follow me, you can follow me at Asian Narc on Twitter, which is short for my Instagram handle at Asian
4: Narcissist. Nigel, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Nigel Speed. Thank you for listening, everybody. We hope to see you again next week to talk about the Tom Westman. Have a good one.
0: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere